Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, except uh, I misplaced my Harry's and uh, used something else. I Razor? feel like I was shaving with a garden weasel. <laughs> shaving with a weed whacker? Oh, pretty much. Shaving with, it's awful. with a chainsaw. And then it gets even worse when the water on your face dries oh. out and your face dries up. Oh, yes. Then you're like, you don't even want to move. It's like, give me Botox immediately. I can't have my facial muscles contract. I know the feeling. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's not even a Harry's Razor's Day. Go get Harry. Don't use anything else. I know. I happened to me one time on the road. I was traveling and I asked the hotel. I go, oh man, I forgot my Harry's razor. I said, you guys got the, they sent me up some like 1940 Russian Soviet Union razor. It was about as, as blunt as a marble. And I was like, (laughs) and I remember going on TV with like cuts all over my face. I'm like, give me a favor. Get the spray paint out. Don't even get the makeup. Get the Crayolas out. Start covering my face up. Oh, the bad, nothing worse than a bad razor, oh, brother. Horrible. I feel anyway, for you, man. But I'm doing great, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Other than that, it's great to hear. Yeah. Other than uh, having his face torn up with a chainsaw. <laughs> All right. Listen, I got a stacked show for you today. I've got a, a, some some Devin Nunes bombshells last night on Shannon <sighs> Bream's show on Fox. But I want to start out today with an article that really blew my mind. Um, it's a piece in the Washington Examiner. I'll get to it in a second. Uh, again, leftists insinuating, Joe, that there's going to be some bloody revolution if they don't get their way. Really, fellas and ladies, are you really sure about that? I'll get to that in a second. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Helix Sleep, the best mattresses out there, hands down. We have two of these, one for my daughter, one for us. We love it. It's like sleeping on a cloud. These are customized mattresses, best mattresses out there. If you're in the market for a mattress and you're not going to helixsleep.com slash Dan, where you'll get $125 off your mattress order, you're making a huge mistake. Helix Sleep as a quiz takes just two minutes to complete. Matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. You're a side sleeper, you're a hot sleeper, plush or firm, what's your choice? Helix has the mattress for you. They can even split the mattress down the middle to make uh, different uh, comfort levels for your your wife and your, your significant other and you, uh, whoever it may be, you can split that thing down the middle. Helix Sleep is rated the number one. We need, <laughs> Helix, we need a three-way mattress because my youngest <laughs> daughter jumps in all the time with us. Right, Paula? We need like, can you cut the end of it? Make that different too? We may need a Dan Bongino custom version. Helix Sleep is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. Uh, just go to helixsleep.com slash Dan, take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. You will never send this back. It is so comfortable. We love our, both of our Helix Sleep mattresses. We sleep like you wouldn't believe. You are out. You wake up in the morning. You feel refreshed. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders for our listeners, up to $125 off at helixsleep.com slash Dan. That's Helix. H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash Dan for $125, up to $125 off your mattress order. HelixSleep.com slash Dan. HelixSleep.com slash Dan. Go check it out. We love that. HelixSleep.com slash Dan. All right, let's go. Ding, ding, ding. So I read this article this morning at the Washington Examiner. Uh, Tom Rogan wrote it. It's in the show notes. Please check out the show notes today. Uh, I I have about eight articles up. You can go to Bongino.com. 
And uh, if you go to the podcast link on the menu. The articles are associated with the show. You can also subscribe to my email list and I'll email you these articles to you. The article is uh, titled in the Washington Examiner today by Tom Rogan. Uh, it's really good. The Immorality of Nathan Robinson's Far Left American Revolution. What is he talking about? Inside the piece, Rogan writes that this Harvard character who apparently some kind of a doctoral student, Nathan Robinson, wrote this piece and uh, he says inside the piece that insinuating there's going to be some kind of a bloody revolution. Let me read this to you because this is, speaks to the absurdity of the left. I'm going to I'm going to annihilate this ridiculous, stupid piece in a second. Nathan Robinson demonstrated as much Monday when he optimistically warned that revolution is coming to America. Keep in mind, this is a leftist writing this job, mm-hmm. writing in The Guardian. Robinson explains that America is now imprisoned by a Joe quote totalitarian class mm. of a few dozen rich white men in the Senate and on the Supreme Court Mm-mm. who disenfranchise the majority of Americans. <gasps> Robinson says these men are destined for destruction. Wow. History's bloody revolution. <laughs> History's bloody revolution show us what happens when this gap becomes too large and the government entirely ceases to effectively represent the governed. All right. Robinson excitedly continues. Conservatives will continue to push unpopular policies on an unwilling United States. But it's unclear how long people will accept having decisions made for them by a few dozen rich white men. Okay. There's a three takeaways. Bolshevik. From Nathan Robinson's complete absurdity <laughs> in The Guardian. All right. <laughs> Number one, ladies and gentlemen, in case you missed the memo, conservatism and Principled Republican ideas are unprincipled Republicans. So I'm talking about the, the, the ones that align with conservatism, align with traditional Republican ideas. Right. Are about liberty and personal freedom, Joe, in case Nathan Robinson missed the memo or is unfamiliar with what we're fighting for. Now, why does that matter? Because, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, nobody fights to oppress people as passionately as people fight to avoid being oppressed. Nobody fights as passionately to take away the liberty of others as those who passionately fight to get their own liberty back or to maintain the liberty they have. Nobody. So let me just serve a warning to Nathan Because unlike Nathan, I abhor violence. Mm. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, too. Don't ever mistake my words for condoning violence as a first resort. There's no circumstance, at least in political fights, where that should be your first resort. And I've been clear on this from day one. Yep. Unless you're looking for a fight for some bizarre reason, which speaks to your issue, not mine. As a first resort. Ignoring the role of violence in human history to fight for liberty is naive and simply stupid. The American Revolution, where we were being uh, taxed without being represented by a British government that wanted to impose their will on us. Mm -hmm. But somehow, Joe, this Nathan Robinson, this ridiculous, absurd snowflake, writing in The Guardian that him and his liberal snowflakes and his s'mores-roasting Snuggy wearing crowd are going to somehow engage in some bloody revolution yeah. where they 
take back the government to oppress people, acting like we're all going to sit back and just take it. Nathan, you got another thing coming. You have ignored history completely. It's a video game. Now, dude. I'm uh, yeah. uh, totally to them. Life's yeah. a video yeah, game to them, yeah, Joe. Exactly. On, it all works in the video game and, and whatever yeah, there you go, man of war or dogs of war or whatever stupid video game you're playing. There you go. Not knocking gamers, by no, the way. Do I your know. thing. I'm yeah. just saying. We you know because they get upset, and I don't blame them. You know, some people enjoy. Yeah. I enjoy a lot of weird things too. I enjoy beating the snot on myself in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and ripping my joints apart. Yeah. A lot of gamers would be like, "That sounds pretty dumb to me," and you'd be <laughs> right. I am falling apart. <laughs> but don't think for a second no. that this translates to real life. Folks, I'm not suggesting that oppressing people and taking away their liberty may not work for the short run, even the mid-run. Cubans have been doing it forever, Joe. Yeah. North Koreans seem to be, uh, the, the North Korean hacks seem to be having a run at it. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, even the most powerful regimes in human history eventually fall when people get tired of the boot of oppression on their neck. The Soviet Union... India getting tired of their uh, occupation by the British. Eventually, people get tired of having their liberty taken away. And they fight passionately for their own freedom. Real, tangible, God-given, God's finger on your shoulder freedom. The freedom to work for a wage. To have your kids go to the school of their choice. To practice your own religion. To live your life free of a surveillance state. These are God-given freedoms. These are not granted by man. We are not asking for permission. So take away number one, Nathan. If you think for a second your tyrannical leftist impulse to spy on Americans, to engage in your police state tactics, to take our money, to take our school choice, to imprison Christians and others and attack them because they don't believe in your leftist ideology, you think that's going to go down in your bloody revolution without a hitch? You are sadly mistaken, brother. Takeaway number two, and I brought this up before. Do you understand that this guy, Nathan Robinson, what he's writing is not unusual at all. We're being ruled by white in a constitutional republic where we voted on the president and we just got done with eight years of Obama. You're being what are you being oppressed in? What? Trump cut your tax. He gave you back more of your money to spend it on how you wish. That's oppression. How is that oppre- oppression? If you, for, that's oppression for imbeciles. Trump is oppressing me. I, 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 I'm a woman. How? How exactly? What rights do you not have under the Trump administration? What rights do you not have? I don't understand what you're talking about. You're just making this up. He's cut the bureaucratic red tape to get the government out of your life. What kind of tyrant decreases the power of government? But Joe, it's not enough for them. This is the point. I'm sorry. I get a little sidetracked. But this is, it is not enough for the left to win. The arc of history lately has been bending in their direction. How long we've been saying that? We can't ignore that. Yeah, a long time. I mean, it has been bending in their direction. You got New York legalizing and basically infanticide mm-hmm. abortion up to the time of delivery social issues they've they've won repeatedly on you've had eight years of barack obama you had garbage obamacare instilled 
You've got government spending at the highest levels in human history. What exactly are you being oppressed about? Keep in mind, all these are horrible ideas. But they have won on these ideas. And you feel like you're being oppressed. How exactly is that? Remember, it's not good enough for them to win. Pro-abortion, uh, pro-abortion forces, they want to put out a business. People who advocate for pro-life get people deplatformed. It is not good enough for them to win. So that's point number two, that the left has a tyrannical impulse we cannot ignore. That is not our impulse as conservatives. I don't want to empower the government to control my economic life, my healthcare life, my healthcare life, my education life, or my religious life. I, but I don't want them to empower yours either. There's no hypocrisy there. You want to institute your set of social values on me, and you want the government to punish me for practicing mine. It's not good enough for you to win. You want to punish. Remember what I told you. People never accept the oppression. They never accept that with the passion you want to, you want to oppress them with. Hence, revolutions throughout human history for liberty. The ones against never hold in the long term. But here's takeaway number three, and I want you to listen very closely to this one. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't say this to you in this, hey, listen, listen to how tough I am kind of. That's all garbage. The people who talk about being tough are usually the softest people of all, to be candid. I mean, I've been around really tough men and women my entire life, being a cop, being an agent spending most of my life in mixed martial arts around genuinely tough people who fight for a living. They lose fights. They lose their employment. And I can tell you, the toughest guys I know rarely, if ever, talk about being tough. I'll give you an example. You know, Matt Serra, uh, who was the UFC welterweight uh, champion at one point. Mm -hmm. Matt Serra, this, he, beat, he beat George St. Pierre in the biggest upset in UFC history. I can tell you candidly, I trained with Matt for a little while in East Meadow up in uh, Long Island and then over in uh, this other place in Huntington and had him down to the Secret Service Training Center, put on a seminar. We were teaching our students grappling. He was one of the toughest guys I ever met. And I can tell you right now, you'll never meet a happier warrior out there. No, I'm serious. I go to his Instagram, look at his videos, smiling, always joking mm -hmm. around, yeah. never telling you what a, what a BA he is, bad, you could figure out the rest. I'm going to kick you, but none of that at all. Matter of fact, there's a video of a guy attacking him in Las Vegas, who, of course, he puts the guy down in two seconds and mounts him. And what does he do? He's laughing at the guy. Calm down, buddy. It's out there. You can see it yourself. <laughs> the toughest guys in the world never talk about being tough. Yeah, I agree. But the left, Joe, always. I know you've been around him, too. Yeah, I man. know you're, you're, you're Joe, Joe's been around rockers and some, believe me, some hard-edged people who've had some serious issues. Yeah. And the, the the toughest ones were the nicest and quietest. Yeah, always. Yeah. This generation of liberals that that wants a bloody revolution and violence is a coddled bunch of snowflakes who has never faced. Forget about violent adversary, adversity. Many of them, most of them have never even faced 
ideological adversity. <laughs> They've True. grown up in coddled schools where a lot of the teachers are liberal. They've gone to colleges where if you're a liberal, you're celebrated. You never have to think an idea through. Right. Now, Obama's great. Yeah, Obama's great. We love Obama. I like Trump. Kill him. Get him out of here. Execute him. <laughs> I mean, really? You want to start a fight with us, conservatives who are largely former law enforcement People who've lived in the real world in high-stress business environments. People who are military folks. You want to start a bloody revolution with us who faced ideological adversity and basically, in many cases, violent attacks on college campuses? You doubt me? Look up the videos. Conservative attacked on college campus and just sit there all day and watch them. You want to start a fight with us? You know why they want to do that, Joe? They want to do it because they have no experience with real-world violence and the horrors of it. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't express to you enough, having been a police officer and actually having been shot at, I don't, I don't like to talk about these stories because, again, the people who need to talk about this stuff always seem to be trying to impress you with their own bona fides. I'm not trying to do that. But there's a real fear there. When you get in a foot pursuit with a guy who just let a round go and you're chasing him around a corner and as you're chasing him around a corner, you realize he could be standing on the corner pointing a gun at you and you forgot that as you're getting ready to turn the corner and then as you think it, your life flashes in front of your eyes for a second like, uh-oh, what if he's standing there with the gun? Yep. Oh, you never thought about that, Snowflakes? As you were sitting there reading your, March, uh, your, your Marx uh, Engels reader in your urban studies class? You never thought about that. Sitting there with your Malamars and your hot cocoa and your milk with your Snowflake professor with, with a beard six feet long who's never had a real job in, in his entire life? It's never occurred to you what real violence is really like, but you want a bloody revolution? You're a loser. Cowards, chumps, losers, fakes. You're phonies violence are you kidding me i had a guy call in a radio station i used to host in washington dc once mm -hmm. guy was on our side by the way mm -hmm. ideologically i'm not kidding i'll never forget this. it was on a saturday show suggesting he was ready to take up arms i said you are really that's we can't like i said he was on our side of the argument yeah, yeah. i said that's fascinating i said to him joe who's your delegate he was from virginia he goes, oh, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Let me get this straight. <laughs> You're ready to go to take up arms? And you don't even know who your delegate is? You haven't even lobbied your delegate for change? Do you understand how awful violence is? Have you ever been under a 300-pound dude in a grappling match that's controlled, who's choking you out and you can't breathe and you start to see stars and then you wake up five minutes later with a bunch of guys shaking your ankles up in the air to get the blood back to your head? You ever experienced that? You ever experienced running around a corner thinking a guy's going to put a round in your skull? You ever been in a fight when you're a cop in a domestic violence situation with a husband who's got just nothing to lose, who starts pummeling you with an ironing board? Does that ever happen? You ever experience that feeling like, is this going to stop or am I going to be dead? I'm not sure if in your basket weaving class with your 70-year-old professor who's a Marxist revolutionary with your Oreos and your warmed up milk, you really understand if you're the, the, the consequences of the bloody revolution you idiots are calling for. 
Reminds me of a story I once heard about the initiation of the Civil War in the United States. Hmm. Where when it first started, there was a battlefield scenario. Forgive me, I don't, I'm not a Civil War historian. I forget exactly who told me. Uh, feel free to email me if you remember the details. But people actually showed up to watch the fight thinking, oh, well, this will be interesting in the beginning of the Civil War. And then minutes in, as cannonballs start ripping legs off, all of a sudden people are like, what the... It's real, man. Mm-hmm. It's not a joke. Bloody revolution. Are you insane? Are you nuts? You f- lunatics on the left. Are you crazy? A bloody revolution. You better be darn careful the fight you start asking for. Because it's not one we want. And I can assure you, it is most certainly not one you want disgraceful remember this line nobody ever fights to oppress people as passionately as people fight to avoid being oppressed never forget that thugs on the left read that piece it's in the show notes from the washington examiner by tom rogan it's a good one and by the way rogan's no like big trumpist or anything like that that's fine i support the president you know he's he, he goes either way on certain issues but his piece is very good. Nathan Robinson, Snuggie wearer, Malamar Oreo eater, sitting there with his uh, warmed up milk. I think we should have a bloody revolution. Good luck, Nathan. Chump. Tell that to some of the cops I know. Get their butts kicked every day after they're out there on the streets. You want a bloody revolution? What a joke, idiot. All right. I wasn't even going to start with that today. All right, listen, I want to... Get to some Devin Nunes stuff last night. So, Joe, keep the Nunes translator oh. handy. Nunes was on Shannon Bream's show last night. And uh, again, proving you're not wasting your time on the show, we are now finally getting to the bottom to what started this whole debacle in the spying case against Trump. All right, I'll get to that in a second. Hey, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Bravo Company Manufacturing. Hey, folks, Bravo Company Manufacturing. Bravo Company makes the finest rifles and pistols out there. I love their products. I have two of these. They are absolutely fantastic. They fire, They, I mean, right on target every time. Zero malfunctions for me. Beautifully made equipment. These are life-saving tools, these rifles and pistols uh, manufactured by Bravo Company Manufacturing. They're military veterans. They put together some of the finest products you will ever see out there. But these are life-saving tools, folks. Okay, they don't manufacture for sporting equipment. These are made to the highest standards possible, knowing their rifles and pistols when they leave the factory, that these rifles or pistols, the end user will be a police officer, someone in the military, or God forbid, a citizen having to defend the life of himself or someone in the family. That's what goes into every Bravo company rifle or pistol. I kid you not, I tell the story all the time, when I went to pick mine up at the local FFL, he said, listen, you are getting some of the highest quality equipment out there. He loved them. I'm not making that up. I could tell you the dude's name, but I'm not sure he's comfortable with me putting his name out there, but he knows it. He was like, these are really, really fine rifles and pistols. Again, this is not a sporting arms company. They design, engineer, manufacture life-saving equipment. Every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested by Americans in Heartland, Wisconsin to a uh, professional-grade standard and to a life-saving standard. They put people before their products. Ladies and gentlemen, they work with leading instructors of marksmanship from the top levels of our military. 
connecting them with other Americans. These instructors teach the skills necessary to defend yourself and others. You want to learn more about that? Go to youtube.com slash Bravo Company USA. But if you want to check out their products, Bravo Company Manufacturing, head over to bravocompanymfg.com where you can discover more about their products, special offers, and upcoming news. That's bravocompanymfg.com. Bravo Company, MFG.com. Check them out. These are the finest rifles and pistols out there. If you're in the market for one of them, you want to check them out. Bravo Company, MFG.com. Okay. So, um, Devin Nunes is on Shannon Bream last night, mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of uh, tactical nukes on the battlefield of ideas in the Spygate case get launched. But uh, first, before we can start, Joe, I hate to keep going back to it, but I definitely need you to initiate oh. the Nunes translator, please. No problem. Initiating Nunes translator, Dan. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you very go. much. Right. I will translate what Nunes says in these two clips. Clip one. <laughs> this is Devin Nunes talking about Joseph Mifsud. Again, I know you regular listeners know who he is, but just to be clear and set the table for everyone else, Joseph Mifsud starts this whole thing allegedly. He is a Maltese professor who meets with Papadopoulos in April, George Papadopoulos, who's on the Trump team, and allegedly tells Trump that the, uh, excuse me, tells Papadopoulos that the Russians have some emails on Hillary. So the Democrats' whole case is, look, this Russian, Russian asset, Joseph Mifsud, told the Trump team person about Russian dirt on Hillary and emails and all that stuff. But was Mifsud really a Russian asset? If he isn't, their whole case falls, uh, falls apart. Listen to Nunes last night on Shannon Bream, cut one. So Mifsud is important because he is the first person that we know on Earth that supposedly knows something about the Russians having Hillary's emails. Now, he's since denied that, uh, but Mueller, in his report, claimed that Mifsud was, or insinuated that Mifsud was some type of Russian asset. Well, we know that that's not the case. And in fact, we know that he was in the U.S. Capitol just months into the Russia investigation, just steps away from the House Intelligence Committee. So we sent a letter a few weeks ago. I think the heads of these agencies thought that they were, that we were just going to be ignored. So we sent a follow-up letter on Friday. We've had three of the four agencies get back to us. But surprisingly, guess which agency is not cooperating? I, FBI. Yeah, I can take a guess as to the FBI initials. is not cooperating per usual, uh, which means they've got something to hide because it is impossible that Mifsud, Professor Mifsud, is a Russian asset. He was a former diplomat with the Malta government. He lived in Italy. He worked and taught FBI, trained FBI officials and worked with FBI officials. Wow, Nunes. Mm. Gosh, you got to love Nunes. This guy, history will remember this guy, Devin Nunes, Congressman Nunes, as a genuine American hero. I'm not kidding. The fact that he is relentlessly pursuing this, maybe even some points at the expense of his own political career, uh, I'm telling you, this guy needs some kind of presidential medal of freedom when he's done. What is he suggesting here? Ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats' whole nonsense, the anti-Trump Democrats and some Republicans, their case against Trump, hinges on this Mifsud being a Russian asset trying to help the Trump team. Right. Nunes just said something so obvious. How, did, how does everybody keep missing this? Because they're doing it. They're missing it intentionally. If Mifsud was a Russian asset, what the heck was he doing in the, in the U.S. Capitol in February of 2017? So we let a Russian spy in the U.S. Capitol. What is he doing in pictures with United Kingdom, United Kingdom, our our friends in the British government, our friends? What is he doing in pictures with all of these higher ups in the United Kingdom government and in their intel agencies? 
What is he doing in those photos? You can see them yourself just go online. It's not hard. Why is he in those pictures? There's only two explanations, Joe. Mifsud is, in fact, a Russian agent who's managed to infiltrate the United States at the highest levels of government Mm -hmm. and the UK intelligence service. Mm -hmm. And we're really stupid and let it all happen. Or Mifsud is not, in fact, a Russian agent. The Democrat story, which I, I he is not, folks. I've said this for so long now. We're going to put together a show where we cover some of our predictions and how they've now come true. I don't have to bore you, but we'll put together a little segment on that for an episode coming up in the future. But we have said this forever. I gave this speech at the Sunshine Summit in Florida over a year ago. Mifsud is not a Russian agent. His associations are with friendlies. Now, you may say, okay, you've been saying that a lot. What's the point of the Nunes translator? Well, here's cut two. And in cut two, Nunes says something. I have to be candid with you, folks. I had not considered up until now. And, you know, I I know I can, I'm personally fascinated by this case, so I get it. Sometimes I can be dramatic. It's not intentional. I just have a lot of personal interest in this case because I can't stand government abuses of power, unlike Justin Amash, fake libertarian who seems to enjoy it. He's the congressman calling for Trump's impeachment. He's the libertarian calling for the police state. I had not considered this angle. This will require uh, my Nunes translator skills. Play cut to, and we're done with this. If you catch this before me, I'll be very impressed. But he says something at the end that would blow this case it's the smithereens for the left. Play the cut. Let's imagine he's not a Russian asset. So let's let's throw that away, even though Mueller has said that he that he was. But let's say that he was working for another foreign government or let's say that he was working for some uh, organization that was hired by an, either a spy agency or a contractor or possibly a campaign. So that's what we're trying to get to the bottom of is who is this Joseph Mifsud character because he seems to have a lot of connections with a lot of other people like Christopher Steele and others uh, that were involved in the early stages and wrote, of course, the infamous dossier. No, your radio isn't broken or your phone. I wanted to give you a second to, wait, to digest that. Wait, what did he just say? Folks, I had, I, I, I'm being completely candid when I tell you. I had not considered what he just said. Let me give you what my theory's been from the start. Which doesn't change the overall story that the president wasn't trapped. But it most certainly makes a connection I haven't made up until I heard Nunes last night and got some additional information. He suggests at the end two possible scenarios about who Mifsud was. The first one is the one I had believed for up, up until this point based on all the available evidence we had. That Mifsud, Joe, was working with friendly rush, uh, excuse me, intelligence assets. Right. To entrap Papadopoulos. Yeah. He made up a story about Russian emails, hoping Papadopoulos would tell someone on the Trump team about it for the sole purpose of the people trying to entrap Trump in the intelligence community for them to say, look, the Trump team took information about Russian emails from a Russian. No, from someone we sent in there. Huh? Mm-hmm. But to do that, they had to hide Masood, which he's been successfully hidden. He's gone. He's in the wind. 
But I had never considered the possibility that Mifsud may, according to Nunes's second thing he posits there, item there, may have been working for a contractor that was working in coordination with a campaign. Ladies and gentlemen, holy Moses, would that be the bombshell to end all bombshells? Wow. That Mifsud was not only working in conjunction with friendly intelligence agencies to set up Papadopoulos and the Trump team with fake information about Russia, but he was doing it potentially in, collu- in, in collusion with a campaign or a contractor being paid by a campaign? Folks, if Mifsud is connected to Steele and Steele's working for Fusion, who's being paid by Hillary, I don't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm seriously speechless. And as my wife can vouch for, that is a rare occurrence, if ever. <laughs> now, keep in mind, last week's shows on YouTube, we made connections that had been missing. And I got a question about this from a listener yesterday. He was confused about the movie script. I'm going to get to that in a second, oh, okay. too, because it relates to what I'm talking about now. It was a great question, Joe. A listener sent in, this is why I put my email out there, because I love audience feedback. Cool. My wife reads them and sends them to me. And the listener said, I'm confused, Dan. You originally said Glenn Simpson, who wrote the 2007 Wall Street Journal article, who is the proprietor of Fusion GPS, that they just applied the movie script, the 2007 article, to Trump. Hold on, I'll get back to that in a second. He's like, well, so where does the, the Russians fit in? Is it a true story or is it not? No, no I'll get to that in a second. But last week, what we did here, and this is, it was all going to make sense in a second, we made connections between what a lot of folks had previously thought, not us, were disparate entities. In other words, Joe, Stefan Halper was spying on the Trump team, but he was doing his thing in this bubble, okay? Okie dokes. Mifsud was working with some Western intel people, but he was working in this bubble. Right, right. Uh, the Russians were engaging in disinformation campaigns, but they were doing it in this bubble. Brennan was doing his anti-Trump thing up on the hill, but he was doing it in this bubble. The importance of last week's show is we finally made a connection between all of them. Stefan Halper, the spy spying on the Trump team, I'm going to state this very simply, and his, his UK intelligence buddy, Richard Dearlove, teach a course with a Russian who now we know Christopher Steele, dossier guy, was using as a source. He says it in, in Kathleen Kavalek's notes. Steele, sources, Trebnikov, Surkov. Mm-hmm. Trebnikov taught a course with Halper. So finally we have a connection between the spying, the human spying on the Trump team, teaching a course with a Russian providing intelligence to the people providing information to Hillary. Make sense, Joe? Oh, yeah, man. That was yeah. a con- It's a con- That was he, a was connection a that had a... Yeah. Y- yes, yes. The Russian was the conduit. Mm-hmm. But we had missed that. A lot of folks out there thought Halper was doing his own thing, Mm -hmm. spying on the Trump team. It's clear now he's not. Halper's connected to the Russian, Mm -hmm. who's connected to Steele, who's connected to Fusion. But the Mifsud bubble, I have to be candid with you, had always been hanging out there. Who was Mifsud working for? Mm. If Mifsud at the same time is connected to Fusion GPS in any way, and Christopher Steele, then ladies and gentlemen, we have an entrapment scheme for the ages and it connects all the bubbles. Mm. Halper, spying for the U.S. government. 
getting tips from a Russian. Trubnikov, he teaches a class with. Mm-hmm. Trubnikov providing information to steal. He feeds to the FBI to spy on Trump. Mifsud, potentially connected to steal, who maybe puts him up to meeting with Papadopoulos to advance this Russian narrative. Tell him they have Russian emails. Oh my gosh, folks, this thing would blow up like that. Now, to get back to where I was, now you see what the, the importance of this is. Yeah. It connects everyone. Yeah. It doesn't become a conspiracy theory anymore. It becomes an actual conspiracy. A group of people conspiring to entrap Donald Trump. They're all connected. Now, we don't know that to be true yet, to be clear. That second point about... Now, I'm absolutely sure Ms. Sud's not a Russian agent, that he's either working with Western Intel, but if that second story, that he has connections to steel is true, it closes the circle on this whole thing, and they are about to get nuked, the Democrats, and the anti-Trump forces out there. Now, to answer the gentleman's question yesterday about the movie script, this doesn't change anything. Remember my theory, and it's in my second book, Exonerated, that thankfully we're finishing up because it's it's really good. Check it out if you'd like. Sorry to keep plugging it, but again, we put a lot of work into it. Glenn Simpson back in 2007, who runs Fusion GPS, steals working for them, working for Hillary, right? Mm-hmm. He writes this article in the Wall Street Journal that reads almost exactly like the dossier. Russians, Paul Manafort, Doroposka trying to influence our so uh, the Soviets trying to, or old Soviets trying to influence U.S. politics. Read it. The article, we put it up here a thousand times. You can Google it and read it yourself. That was Simpson's movie script. He takes this 2007 movie script, but ladies and gentlemen, because it has older characters, it was written in 2007, not 2017, about Russian collusion in the United States. He has to update it for Donald Trump. Why, Joe? Because Trump's running for president now. And he wants to take out Donald Trump Simpson because he's being paid to by Hillary Clinton. He's being paid to take out Trump. But what's the problem, Joe? He doesn't have anything on Trump. (laughs) So he pays Steele, who gets information from a Russian, who gives information to a CIA spy, who gives information to uh, Brennan, who gives information uh, to the Russian, who gives information to Steele, who gives it to the FBI. In other words, the movie script had to be updated with new information because they had to include Trump. But they didn't have anything. So they basically paid what I call in the book a quote machine. A guy who's helping me with the book. We've been chatting nonstop trying to finish this thing. I was writing all night last night. Right, Paula? I was at it for 10 hours yesterday. He calls them quote machines. That's what the media calls them. In other words, you need a story and you know a guy who will say anything, you call him up and you go, hey, say this. Okay, uh, you know, big banks are awful. Noted economist says big banks are awful. They're quote machines. They make stuff up. Steele was his quote machine. Steele's getting information from Russians who are just making stuff up. That's how they fit in. Does that make sense, Joe? The movie sure. script needed to be updated. Steele provided the details to update it to include Donald Trump, even though they were all fake. Mm-hmm. Trump was colluding with the Russians. Mm-hmm. Michael Cohen went to Prague to do it. Carter Page is working with it. It was all made up. Mm-hmm. The stories don't conflict at all. The movie script was there, but it needed some refreshing. So very good question. I promised you I'd answer it on the show today. 
But ladies and gentlemen, this Mifsud story is about to explode. If Mifsud has any connections to steel and fusion GPS, this entire circle closes. One last point, because I had dinner with Papadopoulos and Simona out in uh, Los Angeles when I was out there. I was talking to Papadopoulos. And George has said this on the show, so I'm not sharing anything he said in private that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't share private conversations he was uncomfortable with. But George has said this in other places, that the FBI approached him about wiring Mifsud, about wearing a wire, a recording device, and meeting Mifsud. Papadopoulos refused. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an interesting wrinkle to the story, because if George's story is accurate, I have no reason to believe it's not at this point. If George's story is accurate, it reinforces my theory that Mifsud was not working directly with the FBI. And it may reinforce this Devin Nunes bomb last night that Mifsud's connections mm. may have been to people being paid to gin up information mm -hmm. on Trump, steal, and Western intelligence people who are working in a rogue operation off the record. Why? And I said this to George, and I'll say it to you. George was convinced to me that Mifsud is working with the FBI to set him up. Folks, I'm not sure about that. I could be wrong, and I'll, if I am, but I'm thinking of it as a former police officer and agent myself. George was prosecuted, Papadopoulos, in the law enforcement system. The law enforcement system, meaning he has every civil right in court that you have. Mm -hmm. If you are using a source, i.e. the FBI using Mifsud, you don't get the guy you're targeting, Papadopoulos, to wear a wire against your source. Why, Joe? Because that's discoverable in court. And your source would be outed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. I'm not saying it's never happened. But it doesn't make sense to me. You may say, well, then who the heck is Mifsud working for? That's why I played the Nunes cuts. It seems clear to me that at least early on, I'm not absolving the FBI of their malfeasance in this case. They used a discredited, unreliable source they knew was garbage. End the story. Comey's a total hack. I'll get to him in a second, too. I'm not, don't mistake what I'm saying. But the facts matter. And I think early on, people in the Bureau think Mifsud may, in fact, be transmitting Russian intel, even though Mifsud is working with friendlies to set up Trump and Papadopoulos. That's the only reason, if the wearing a wire story is accurate, that that would happen. The only reason. And then later on, they find out Ms. Sud, Joe, the Bureau that is, mm -hmm. is working with friendlies, or God forbid, Fusion, GPS, and Steel, and they're like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. What do we do now? Oh, yeah. Well, instead of doing the right thing and issuing a full-throated apology to an innocent man, Papadopoulos, who was set up, they arrest him at the airport to shut him up. I've been trying to explain. You know, George and I disagree on this. It's his story, his story probably carries more weight than my secondhand but, version of it, but I'm telling you, I've never, I don't understand why, from a law enforcement perspective, you would record your own source, Mifsud, yeah. if you were working with him. It makes no sense. It would all be discoverable. He'd be outed like that. Doesn't make sense. Okay. Hey, on one quick note before I move on, I got a lot more to get to today. Um, I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy. This is not a paid ad. This is just me talking about a friend who I really adore. I got a paid, um, uh, excuse me, a free copy of Mark Levin's new book, Unfreedom of the Press, a galley copy. You see the binding yeah. on the side. I got this early. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I kid you not when I tell you, if you don't, if you don't buy this book, you were missing out. Huge. I have an underline here. Chapter six. 
about the New York Times betraying millions of Americans? Folks, it'll bring a tear to your eye what the media has done to us. Levin's book is, is I, mean, I mean a powerhouse. This is worth your time and is a must read. The title of the book is Unfreedom of the Press by Mark Levin. It's out today. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookstores everywhere. I can't recommend this book highly enough. Um, you were not in the fight with the media. If you don't, I mean, this is a compendium. Right here, I'm showing the white side. Unfreedom of the press. Of the worst press disgraces we've seen in our lifetimes. And it is, it will move you emotionally about what they've done to this country. I can't recommend it highly enough. This is not any kind of pay to, this is just an ideological plea for you to fight the good fight, but educate yourself and every, I learned stuff in here I had never heard before about just how awful they are. Mm. Please check it out. Unfreedom of the Press by Mark Levin. It is an absolutely spectacular, spectacular book. Okay. Uh, okay. Now getting back to Comey, there was another bombshell yesterday that came out. We, uh, Doug Collins, a Republican congressman from Georgia, who's done a spectacular job, released the transcripts of Loretta Lynch, Obama's former attorney general, his second one after Holder, and their testimony up on Capitol Hill. And my gosh, are there some nukes in there, too. So we now know one of these two people is lying, either Loretta Lynch or Jim Comey. Why is that? There's an article up at the Washington Examiner about this uh, by Dan Chaitlin who I've used, or Chayton, excuse me, Dan, if I'm saying your name wrong, but your piece is, this piece is up in the show notes. The show notes today are spectacular. Loretta Lynch denies telling Jim Comey to call the Clinton email probe a matter. Unlike the Mifsud case, which if you don't understand, can be a little complicated. This is clear as day. Mm -hmm. Jim Comey has said repeatedly in public, up on Capitol Hill, in interviews, that Barack Obama's attorney general told him to refer to Hillary Clinton's email investigation, not as an investigation, but as a, quote, matter. Yep. Obviously, to take the edge off it. Don't call it an investigation. Let's call it a matter. <gasps> Comey said this repeatedly. Loretta Lynch is now under oath, now that we've seen her testimony, and it's up in the article. You can see it right here. When uh, she was asked up on the Hill, did... You instruct Jim Comey to call it a matter instead of an investigation or answer. I did not. I have never instructed a witness as what to say specifically. Never have, never will. Lynch told the Joint Task Force on the House Oversight and Judiciary Committee. Ladies and gentlemen, one of them is lying. One of these two people is lying. Either she said call it a matter or she didn't. Now, why is this a big deal? Because this could be an obstruction of justice investigation in and of itself, depending on how far they took this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Simply asking it to be called a matter is probably nowhere close to an actual charge. But how far did they go on this to obstruct justice in the Hillary Clinton email investigation? Now, I owe you an opinion on this. And again, I could be wrong, but based on my, one of them is wrong. Right? One yeah. Of, one of them. You may say, well, wrong. Dan, who do you think is lying? Yeah, one of them's lying. Folks, I think it's Lynch. Now, you may say, Dan, you've been telling us Comey's a snake. He is a snake. I'm not sure who's a bigger snake, him or <laughs> Brennan. He is a pompous, arrogant buffoon and a known liar. But Loretta Lynch has suspiciously evaded any kind of oversight. Significant oversight. Do you notice her name almost never comes up in the whole Spygate thing, despite the fact that she was the attorney general? Mm. Loretta Lynch is a savvier political character than we know. 
I think Lynch is lying. I think Comey's story is accurate. That Lynch did, in fact, tell him to call it a matter and did quietly pressure him to make the Hillary email investigation go away. That does not absolve Jim Comey for, in fact, making it go away. What's worse, saying it or actually doing it, what Jim Comey did? Comey is a snake. But in this case, I believe Comey's version to be accurate. I think Loretta Lynch has adeptly avoided any criticism due to her close relationship to Obama, who's still the Messiah on the left and in the media and has managed to slalom her way around the traffic cones and avoid any contact at all. I think she's lying about this. And I think she knows it's a, he shit, literally a, he said, she said, and I think she knows she's going to win because the Democrats don't like Comey either, but love her and will back her up. We'll see. I'm right on that one. <laughs> All right, folks. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at U.S. Law Shield. Hey, listen. Do you carry a firearm for protection? I'm telling you, without U.S. Law Shield, you're carrying naked. You're making a big mistake without the protections of U.S. Law Shield. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. It is a smart move to proficiently and safely exercise your Second Amendment rights to protect yourself and your family, to carry that firearm responsibly and safely. You want to be able to protect yourself and your family. God forbid you're confronted with a life or death scenario. But if you ever ask yourself what happens after, God forbid you're involved in an incident where you have to use the firearm or even take that firearm out. Have you ever thought about being sued? Do you need that legal advice? Are you going to be able to get it at the last, you even, at the last second? you even know who to call? Let me tell you a quick, uh, a quick story here. This is, this is just recent. There was just a homeowner in Grand Prairie, Texas. You can look this up on the Star-Telegram. Who shot a home intruder at 1 a.m. in the morning. And according to news reports, police are investigating the case as a homicide. And will turn the case over to a Tarrant County grand jury as is procedure. They're prosecuting, could be looking at prosecuting the homeowner. Folks, have you thought about what happens afterwards? Do not carry your firearm naked. Use the protections of U.S. Law Shield. I am a proud member of U.S. Law Shield. Love the company. It's why I took them on as a sponsor for less than $11 per month. $11 per month. Think of the peace of mind. $11 per month. You will have 24-7, 365, not 364. They don't even take off on Christmas. Access to legal counsel. You get special offers and discounts on classes, firearms, optics, gunsmithing, tactical training, and more. U.S. Law Shield is the nation's leading education and defense organization, and they want you to join their community of law-abiding gun owners. Don't carry naked. God forbid you were involved in one of these scenarios. You are going to need legal counsel. You can't be put on hold, okay? They created a special website for my listeners, uslawshield.com slash Dan, where you can get their five defender reports worth $100 absolutely free. You'll be amazed at how much useful information is inside. Given the choice, feel better knowing that U.S. Law Shield has your back. I know I feel better knowing they have mine. Go to uslawshield.com slash Dan right now. Join me in the fight. Protect your right to keep and bear arms. That's uslawshield.com slash Dan. Go check them out. Okay. Oh, where am I? All right. I wanted to bring this up. Uh, we've been talking a lot, Spygate lately. So there's just a lot of news drops every night. But I do want to uh, make sure I get in some of our other stories related to liberal issues of the day because it's important. I'd love your feedback on this. I've, I read an article yesterday in the Wall Street Journal. And forgive me, I tried to pull it up today and I, I couldn't find it again. But the gist of it was that the tax system now prevents us from engaging in direct primary care. And it was talking about this company. You know what direct primary care is, Joe? Have you no, heard of this? Explain that it's, to me, It's please. fascinating. 
it's it's the next evolution of of healthcare. Okay. What it is is you pay a standard monthly fee. I don't know if you all have heard of this. Say one hundred and fifty dollars, as was the price in the article I wrote, for access to a doctor for basic medical care, basic prescriptions, twenty four hours a day, and they even make house calls. It's okay. a monthly fee, like joining a jujitsu gym or something like that. You pay the fee. And that's it. You walk in whenever you want. You got a cold. You go in. You make an appointment. There's no insurance. There's no nothing. There's no paperwork. Direct primary care. Now, the tax system, uh, thanks to Obamacare and other liberal things that want you to control this, disincentivizes people from doing that because there's no tax benefit. Even having said that, Joe, direct primary care is exploding. Mm. So I thought to myself, you know, I complain a lot on this show about health care. Um, but I don't propose enough solutions. I have, but I don't do it enough. And I thought, can you imagine how wonderful our healthcare system would be if you could allow HSAs, health savings accounts, in other words, money I put in to my savings account that's tax-free. Mm-hmm. I take it, it goes into a health savings account. It is not taxed on my income. It is, it's the equivalent of a tax-protected health uh, employee and health care plan. In other words, I take $100 a week, I put it in an account. It is pre-tax dollars. It is not taxed. Right. Now, that money has to be spent on my health care, hence a health savings account. Yep. What if we expanded health savings accounts dramatically, took caps off their limits, allowed it to be transferred to your kids so they could pay for their health care later if you pass, and their kids likewise, and those health savings accounts could pay for these expanded direct primary care networks. Ladies and gentlemen, the free market would take over like that. Wow. 150 a month for membership to that doctor. I'm a better doctor. I'll charge 148. Heck, I'll charge 146. Hey, I'm better than all of them. I'll charge 130. Ladies and gentlemen, it's called the free market. It's only worked everywhere. It's been tried. It's why iPhones aren't $2 million right now. It's why flat screen TVs used to be $5,000 a pop, and now you can get one for $200 and Best Buy on, on Black Friday. Shocking idea, the free market. So proposal number one to fix healthcare should be fascinating. Forget the caps on HSAs. Eliminate them. As long as it's spent on a legitimate healthcare cost, let them pass it down to your kids and let them spend that money on direct primary care and let doctors compete for your business like everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Combine that number two with a proposal I know Joe's heard before. I brought this up before. Full tax write-off. Full tax Mm write-off for any drug company, hospital, doctor, nurse, or physician's assistant that provides free health care to anyone who can't afford it. Full tax write-off. We can't. They're already rich. Yes, and we're giving them our tax dollars now. Drug companies, they're already rich. And idiots, you're, I'm not talking to my audience, I'm talking about liberal idiots, not you, the smart people. <laughs> idiots, you're giving them your tax dollars now. What do you think Medicare Part D and Medicaid do? They're taking your money to give to drug companies. Did you not figure that out? What do you think that money is? Where do you think it's coming from, the money fairy? How about this? We don't give them any money, and we just let them take a deduction for giving their drugs away. Oh, my gosh, that's revolutionary. You want to give away cholesterol pills? Give them away for free. Take the tax write-off. The fair market value of the pills, you gave away 100 pills, you get a full tax write-off. What are you trying to do? You're, 
<laughs> I know. Proposing market-based ideas. We're cr- this is crazy town. This is crazy. I'd r- Joe. I'd rather take your money through taxes and give it to the drug companies. What about a hospital? You want to provide care to indigent folks, to children who can't afford it, to families who can't give it away. Wow. There's a price for those services. Write them off completely. Then they're gonna make my profit. No kidding, Sherlock. And we also don't have to give them our tax money. Yeah. How stupid do you have to be to not figure this stuff out? A doctor. You're a doctor? Like my brother-in-law out in Oklahoma? Why are we taking money? He has to get money from Sooner Care, Oklahoma's Medicaid program. By the way, he takes in a lot of people. who, And he doesn't even make his his market wage on these. He winds up losing money on some of these patients. Mm. Why do any of that? Tell the doctor you want to provide perinatology, you want to provide cancer care, you want to provide oncology, whatever it may be, ear, nose, and throat. I will take in 100 patients a month. All I ask is the value of my services I can write off my tax bill. But then they may pay no taxes. Oh, my God. God forbid people get free health care and the doctor doesn't pay taxes that we're just going to give back to him anyway by taking our money to pay them for Medicaid. These doctors, are they, they make millions of dollars. They're getting millions of dollars from us in taxes. They're getting millions of dollars because they're really smart and people need their services. Drug companies are getting millions and billions of dollars because they invent drugs that keep you alive. What's the alternative? I'd rather die. That's your choice, not mine, buddy. <laughs> oh. right. I just did my stem cells. I thank uh-huh. God every day someone invented this procedure. It's kept me from having a shoulder replacement for four years. But the doctor has money. Who cares? Who cares? My shoulder feels better. Who cares? I don't even know he has money. I don't know if guys fight or not. I'm just saying. <laughs> they, we would fix the healthcare system overnight. HSAs, direct primary care, make doctors compete. No insurance anymore. Expanded HSAs, full tax deductions. Combine that with one full tax deduction for the doctors, drug companies, and hospitals. They don't have to get any more of our tax money. You get to write off whoever you give your services away to free for free for. One last thing. Combine that with dumping government restrictions, because Obamacare instituted them, on high deductible catastrophic care. In other words, Joe, insurance. Hmm. Okay, if my direct primary care thing breaks down. I can't get any kind of volunteer services for my doctor. I should at least have some insurance in case I come down with cancer, HIV, mm-hmm. or some hemophilia, diabetes, diseases that are, gonna, are not going to go away overnight right. and require constant care. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to rely on volunteers. Okay, fine. Institute government regulations that allow people to buy high deductible catastrophic care. Meaning if everything else breaks down, I have insurance in case my HSA runs out against bankruptcy by having an insurance company cover the worst of the worst. Just like car insurance and home insurance works. We don't have home insurance to fix our faucet. We have home insurance to protect us in case our house burns down. A catastrophe. Why health insurance is paying for the common cold visit is one of the most bizarre economic things I've seen in my lifetime. It's absurd. 
This should be for deadly diseases that require ongoing care. That's why we're going bankrupt. Ah, man. I had so much more to get to today. You know what? I'm going to have to get to it um, tomorrow. I'm sorry to tease you, but I really, I'm, I, I'm, I insist on keeping this show once for your again. commute home. But I, yeah, yeah, once again, I have an interesting piece in the show today by Margot Cleveland and the Federalist. I'll get to tomorrow about how they were spying actually on the Trump presidency, probably, and why it's an interesting piece. And I also want to discuss a debate I had with uh, Chris Hahn last night. Chris, you know, it's liberal. I debate him on Ingram's show on Monday nights. And Chris is like, you know, Dan, I've taken some economic course when he spouted some economic nonsense. I'm like, oh, really? You know, I never tout my education credentials on my CV. I'm like, really, Chris? I've got an MBA from Penn State. You're just a really horrible lawyer. So your take is what? Your take is that you've taken a, a, an economics course once? Gee, thanks. So that was. So I'll cover that probably a little bit tomorrow. So oh, tune in to tomorrow's show. Please subscribe to our show, youtube.com slash Bongino. And please go to Apple Podcasts, iHeart, SoundCloud. Subscribe to the show. All those platforms are, pre, are free, excuse me, but they help us move up the charts, People find our show. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, folks. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen.